0: On today's episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast, uh, we are talking about Dace Clifton, uh, our co-host. We're doing something a little different, and so uh, we're just doing five questions for Dace on this episode of the Thriving in Ministry podcast. This is the Thriving in Ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor. At Daily Pastor, we know that church leaders want to be better equipped for ministry. You need encouragement to not just survive, but thrive in the place where God has called you. I'm Kyle Willis, and as always, Dr. Dace
1: Clifton. Doctor, how are you today? Wow i'm I'm doing fantastic and Kyle, you're you're sounding very healthy on the podcast, and so you know I don't know what you've been eating or uh, drinking, but you're're you're, you're sounding great.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. And um, if you could just prescribe me some uh, you know uh, little band-aids or something like that, oh, wait, you're not that doctor uh, you are a doctor of what, what is it? What, what did you get your doctorate?
1: Oh, I think it's a, it's a PhD in, in preaching and pastoral ministry actually. And so, yeah, if I was going to prescribe something though, it wouldn't be band-aids. It would be like, I don't know, run five miles, you know, 500 push ups, something like that.
0: Yeah. Uh, I hear you. And that, uh, I guess doctors really don't prescribe Band-Aids, but I was going <laughs> to say something different. And then I was like, well, I can't say that on the Thriving in Ministry podcast.
1: Now my imagination is going and So I'll, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, edit that out. <laughs> this,
0: is why I didn't, this is why I didn't say anything. So, Days, we are talking about you today. Um, we're talking about, mm. you know, nothing scripted, nothing. Uh, I have. I was going to ask you five questions, okay. but I literally don't know uh, what the first one is. So while I think about that, let me ask you this. How do you feel being interviewed today for the Thriving in Ministry podcast?
1: Well, a little apprehensive because once again, I have no idea what you're going to ask. And, uh, but that's cool. So uh, I hope you, uh, I'm sure you'll challenge me and, and, uh, and we'll just see where it goes. Okay, well, I'll
0: give you a softball while I'm thinking of some better ones. Uh, what's your favorite type of ice cream and
1: why? So of course, you know, from the South, the ice cream of choice is Bluebell, undisputed champion of all ice cream in the South. Now, you know that I'm traveling, you know, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and tomorrow there is are you familiar with Tillamook cheese? You know, you go to the grocery store and are you familiar with that? Yes. Okay. Well, I didn't know this, but they make ice cream as well. I bumped into someone two days ago and they were telling me how they used to love Bluebell ice cream, which I love. And they're saying that the Tillamook ice cream is better than Bluebell. And so I'm actually going, I'm going to verify this for myself. I'm going to the factory tomorrow, which is about 160 miles from where I'm at. And my wife and I were joking, and I, I'm going to eat until I'm just sick. I mean, I'm just going to, I'm going to eat maybe not so much cheese, but I mean, I'm going to eat ice cream like you wouldn't believe. And, and I'll, I'll be able to definitively say, which is better, Bluebell or Tillamook. And I'm excited about that.
0: This is uh, exactly what you would expect a doctor to say is go and eat as much cheese and ice cream as you absolutely can.
1: Now, hold on, Kyle. I, I, the truth of the matter is, if I do that, I'll probably need to see a doctor afterwards for some issues when you have too much cheese and ice cream. But nevertheless. Okay. Well,
0: so we are opening up uh, that can of worms here. I'm um, willing
1: to sacrifice my body for that. Anyway, go ahead.
0: Okay. All right. Well, good. Well, best of luck. Uh, let me know how it is. I, As you know, I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, we have Brahms ice cream, if you've ever heard of that. Oh, yeah. Uh, if not. Uh, we'll have to, to connect sometime and get you some because it's it's pretty good. It's better than Bluebell, I'll put it that way.
1: No, 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 no. It's it's not. But I I've had Brahms. I like Brom's in Texas also and, and Brahms is good, but but not better than Bluebell. Mm-hmm.
0: Agree to disagree. So okay. hey, uh, I, I do have a different question for you. We're gonna these are gonna get progressively uh harder. And so by the time uh we get to your thoughts on Calvin, you'll be ready to uh to tap out here. <laughs> uh let me ask you this. Uh next question, your wife Jackie. Uh how did you guys meet? Uh what's the story? Uh were you kind of the the instigator? Was was she doing it? Was she driving the boat? How'd you guys meet and uh what brought you
1: guys together? Well, in case she ever listens to this podcast, uh, I'll have to be somewhat truthful about this and and uh yeah, we met in college and uh it was actually at a barbecue, a Christian organization barbecue, student ministry type barbecue and I know this is hard to believe, but I was completely uh oblivious, unskilled, you know, when it comes to approaching, you know, girls. I had no idea how to do that and I was at this barbecue telling some stories and We were laughing and a good friend of mine says, hey, do you see that girl over there? She's laughing at all the stories you're telling. And it was the prettiest girl at the barbecue, which is now my wife, Jackie. And and so I said, oh, really? I mean, I was completely oblivious. And he said, you ought to get her telephone number. And so I went and mustered up the courage to talk to her and got her telephone number. Well, that friend, the very same night I I came home and he was actually staying in my apartment for a couple of days, uh, because there was something going on. I can't remember at his dorm room and, and I was so excited. I said, yeah, man, I got this girl's number and I was so excited. And, uh, he kind of tempered the flames a little bit. He said, well, man, he said, you know, you're a junior, she's a freshman, she probably doesn't want to just settle down and get married and get into some serious relationship. You know, she's a freshman. And, and so based on his counsel, uh, I didn't call her for three months and that was probably the wrong thing to do. That's
0: bad counsel. Can I just interject yeah. here? Uh, even at 21, that was sure. bad counsel.
1: Well, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you your, your gut instinct is correct. That was bad counsel because I, I I've, uh, I learned that that was bad counsel and We almost missed the boat. How did you? Hold on. So you waited three months to call her. How did
0: you recover from that? Did you call her randomly and be like, hey, remember that one barbecue? Did you run into her again? And and this awkward moment of, hey, I thought you
1: were going to call. Explain to me how you recovered. Well, the truth of the matter is it got worse before it got better. And uh, I actually bumped into her a couple of other times. And each time, two other times, I would get her number again. And so I really got her number total of three times. Oh, no. Yeah. It's amazing. She gave amazing. it to me and she, uh, she, Oh. and so by the, I'll tell you our, our relationship was saved by the grace of God. And I mean, I kid you not, because here's how it happened. So after getting her number for three times and not calling her for three months, one day I was at a coffee shop and I was, I was reading first Samuel chapter one, you know, that's the story of course, of like Hannah and you know, she's, she wants to have a child, et cetera. And she's, you know, goes before the priest, Eli. And anyway, I was reading that and and Jackie happens to be in there and uh, I didn't get her number this time because I already had it three times. Hey, what are you reading? She asked and I told her and she said, oh yeah, that's where, and she went, she began, I said, I'm reading first Samuel chapter one. And she began to relate the details of that story. She's like, oh yeah, that's where Eli the priest thought she was drunk. And for me, that was kind of an obscure story. And so I was like, wow, she knows, you know, she knows this, and from that point forward, I, I mustered up the courage. Hey, let's go on a date. We went on our first date, which that's another weird story. Um,
0: don't don't hold okay. back now. I'm already <laughs>
1: cringing. Somehow, and I, I don't know how much of this I should share because it might be weird. All of all of it, I can edit it uh, okay. out. Wink, wink. Okay. Well, somehow there was another girl who got me something for my birthday Uh oh i know this is sounding weird and she was friends with jackie and i in kindness said hey i'll take you guys to go get something to eat and so i took them to uh, a nice restaurant like an hour and a half away both of these girls boo boo i know ain't that terrible oh it's bad Uh, it's it's a miracle I'm married, is the truth of the matter. That's the miracle. Because basically, I think what you've know what you helped me realize is, and I've knew this before, though, I did everything wrong when it came to uh, getting married, pursuing. I, I just didn't know anything. So anyway, after all of this terrible ordeal of, of, of trying to connect with my wife, eventually what happened was, yeah, the other girl was out of the picture. We started dating. I proposed. Uh, after six months, we were engaged for eight months and we were married. I was 21, she was 19, and we have now been married almost 20 years. And uh, she is awesome. She's a beautiful woman inside and out. And I am very, very, very thankful to have her and probably shouldn't based on all the stupid stuff I've done.
0: Well, yeah, considering it took you three months uh, to call her, and then I'm guessing that the three months was not included in the six months, correct? Correct. Was the six months from the double date with her friend or did you start that clock a little bit later?
1: Well, we, after the double date with her friend, I mean, we started dating like probably later that week because, you know, really, you know, hey, let's be honest. You know, it's probably, I feel terrible even mentioning that because for the other girl, you know, it's kind of like, ah, third wheel type of deal. But anyway. Hmm you probably better edit that
0: out but i you know to anybody any teenagers out there who are listening or if you're in your 20s and 30s and in the dating scene <laughs> um you know this is one don't do what i did <laughs> well no this is this is one entertaining thing uh like tinder for example i guess that's where kids find other dates now um just schedule one date but have like two or three different girls and you could just you know, it's like, it's like a group interview, if you will, you can just yeah. weed it out, uh, take all three of them to appetizers, then two move on to lunch and then one to dessert. It'll be a great way. You know, you can, you can save a couple meals in the process.
1: So you could absolutely, we could give that dating advice or, you know, as it's been said in other places, just do the opposite of everything that I did and you should be okay.
0: Hmm. Well, hey, I got one other question uh about your past and then we'll yeah. we'll move forward to the future. Uh hey, I am curious we we've talked about it a little bit um on the podcast and and a little bit more outside in our personal conversations, but you know, your background in in law enforcement, are you okay talking about that? You good? Of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. So, can you explain a little bit about uh what you did and and kind of the the best and worst
1: parts of uh, your time in the DFW police force? Well, I was I was young. Um, my father uh, was a retired police officer and bivocational pastor. And so he's a very godly man, a great guy. And I got into law enforcement because I thought everybody was like my dad and everybody's not like my dad. But uh, nevertheless, at 21, I entered into a large metropolitan police department uh, in between Dallas and Fort Worth. It's Arlington. There's only about 360 maybe 400,000 people in Arlington, but it's, it's right in a metropolitan area of several million people and about a million people a day go through this and home of the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Rangers. And and so it's a large urban environment with uh, everything that you can imagine when it comes to, you know, that type of situation in policing. And so I got into it thinking that I could, you know, serve God and, and then also, you know, do my career, you know, right. And maybe those were kind of opposite. I was going to do my career and secondary serve God. And so, um, before God got that all straightened out in my life, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it's an important job. I I have the highest respect for law enforcement and what I try to tell people, particularly in, in the environment that we've been in Recently, where police are criticized so much, Um, the vast, vast majority of law enforcement are just good, hardworking men and women who want to do the right thing and keep people safe. And they are sacrificing in a tremendous way so that you and I can be safe. And uh, so, yeah, a lot of respect for law enforcement. It's a difficult job, um, particularly in the environment where I was in. I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's big city policing and I'm kind of a perfectionist. And so it's, man, it's, it, it, was challenging, um, in many respects.
0: So did you ever get a, like, uh, like kick down doors and things like that?
1: Yeah. So, you know, there were several occasions where, you know, you had to, we called it, you know, forced entry, you know, probably, you know, the time that I did that the most was for the last three years, I was on, uh, I was on our SWAT team. It was funny when I was interviewing for the church they were asking me so, so were you a negotiator and I was actually a sniper on the on the sWAT team and the way that that works is if you have a situation like uh, a dangerous situation where you have a, a what we call a barricaded person or a hostage situation, you know the snipers once they set up a perimeter, the snipers would go in uh and then they could set up to observe you know right see what's going on at the location and and so I'd do that and and i I guess I hesitate to say this. the cool thing was. Uh, when you, when you set up a perimeter like that, it takes priority over everything else. And so you could actually, I don't know if I should share this or not, but we would break into apartments, you know, legally you could do that. You could force entry to get into these houses or apartments so that you could get the optimal position. Now you try to get the key, you know, right. But if you couldn't do it, you'd kick the door down. And then the cool thing for the homeowner or tenant was, of course, the city, the police department pays for everything to have it put back together. You know, we're not doing anything illegal. That's just what you had to do.
0: Hey, so let me ask you this. So that I appreciate you sharing that. And maybe we should just uh W now Dr. Dace Clifton, the former SWAT sniper. That'd be really cool, man. I think you got some branding uh going on. We we may need to reach out to Jackie Martin and you could be the next influencer, man. I don't know, man. Draw all these analogies between, you know, like vision and aim about like the gospel. I don't know. No, you want to put that behind you.
1: I don't know, man. It might, uh, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, um, you know, God's taken me on a, on several different paths. And, and I, to be honest with you, I'm real thankful for the opportunity and, and law enforcement. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this though, you know, God worked in my life in, in powerful ways when I was doing that, you know, and so I, I believe I was serving God in that role, just as I believe I'm serving God in, in the role that I now feel. The difference is just a difference of calling, but there are different callings. And, and one calling, in my view, is, is not necessarily more important than the other calling, just like one role is not more important than the other role. So, you know, God taught me a lot of stuff when I was uh, in the police department. And, you know, there's some crazy things that happened uh, that God resolved via prayer. We could have a whole episode or series of episode about the way that God answered prayer at the police department one time in particular if you want to hear this story i can think about yes we were trying yeah. we were we were trying to locate a guy who was wanted for uh robbery uh, you know and aggravated robbery in Texas where we're from and he'd held up some people with a gun and we were looking for him and we lost him he ran off into a neighborhood we set up a perimeter we couldn't find him and uh, somehow he slipped out of the perimeter and then about an hour later got a telephone call on 911 saying that this guy was at another apartment complex pointing a shotgun at somebody. Went over there, couldn't find him. About another thirty minutes later, got another call saying he was inside this apartment. So myself and several of the other officers went over there. While I'm driving in my car over there, I just remember praying just out loud, God, we really need to find this guy just to restore peace. Not for my glory, but just God, just so that peace can be restored to the this neighborhood. And so we went we we went to the apartment and The two officers went in ahead of me and fanned out. And as soon as I walked into the apartment, they went, one of them went into this bedroom and there was, there was nothing in this bedroom, but a TV, two teenage girls and like a mattress on the floor. That was it. And so I walked in there. He checked the room, looked in the closet, walked out. Well, I I don't know why, but for some reason, I just immediately walked over to the closet and there was a gigantic pile of dirty clothes there and I I stuck my hand into this gigantic pile of dirty clothes. As soon as I stuck my hand in that pile of dirty clothes, I could feel my fingers grazing over the crown of somebody's head. And as soon as I did that, I I just had a feeling that it was the guy we were looking for. And man, this just massive guy, no shirt, just began to rise up, you know, up from this pile of dirty clothes, clothes falling off of him, reveal, you know, he begins to twist and try to, you know, I don't know if he was looking to jump out the window and I'm like yelling at him, give me your hands, give me your hands. And thankfully we, we, we got the guy, got handcuffs on him. And, but afterwards I thought about that and I thought, man, in response to a a, a earnest prayer to God, God delivered this guy into the palm of my hands, literally into the palm of my hands. And so I thought, wow, that's cool. All glory to God.
0: So uh, these are the types of stories days that we need to be telling on the Thriving in Ministry podcast (laughs) as a crime junkie, a little bit of myself. Uh And Uh as an avid watcher of uh, the police show, Cops, I realize why it's not on anymore. And I'm sensitive to. Uh, all the issues that are that are going on in today. But man, I get fired up hearing a story like that. Uh, you've never shared those types of stories with me. And so uh, anytime uh, you got that, let me know. Hey, so I told you um, these questions are going to get progressively harder. Uh, and so let me ask you this one, uh, maybe more of a situational type question, uh, hypothetical, but Hey, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about uh, at someday, you know, our parents are going to get older and you have kids. Uh, How are you going to explain loss uh, to your kids? Um, How are you going to explain pain and suffering and um, lost love uh, maybe that they they missed? But uh, how do you explain pain uh, to your kids?
1: Well, that's a great and an important question. And uh, the truth of the matter is I'm doing it now and I'm doing it constantly. And the way that I'm doing it is, is when they experience something painful, uh, a setback personally, emotionally, or physically, I always am quick to remind them that, that that's a result of this fallen and broken world and because of sin And because of the evil of the world, we experience these losses, this pain, these setbacks. But then I'm always quick to point them back to the gospel and back to our hope that's in Christ. And uh, that's for me, that's the answer. That's so important because that's really our story. We are in a difficult period, season time for our nation, but difficulty (laughs) has existed since the fall. And, uh, you know, people listening to this have difficulty in their ministries and their marriages and their physical life. My wife, Jackie, has a friend who's a pastor's wife. And this lady has had two or three years of just different, hard, painful, physical challenges. And uh, so it doesn't matter how old you are. You know, we've got to remember that, man, that's because of the fall. That's because we're not yet in heaven. We're here in this sinful world. And the answer is Christ, and the one who will go with us through the fire is Christ, the one who we can trust who said, I'll never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you, is, is our, our, our Savior and our King, and so that's what I do, and when it comes to loss, particularly death, and both of my parents, are they're senior adults, but they're still with us, and uh, you know, when it comes to death with my kids, though, I just try to remind them that for a believer in Christ, it's a temporary separation. And I don't want to minimize pain. Pain is a reality. Jesus made it clear we were going to experience trouble and pain. And so I just try to point them back to the hope in the midst of pain that, hey, our pain is temporary, but our hope is eternal.
0: Hmm. All right. Um, Hey, you know, that was was kind of a, a shift from the Uh, knocking down a door to the more pastoral. Uh, But hey, let me ask you this. When you think about uh, the rest of your life, uh, what's the thing that you fear most?
1: Wow. Hmm. Hmm. What's the thing that I fear most? Um, Wow, these are personal. Okay. Um, I told you we're interviewing Dr. Dace Clifton, man, man, you were
0: prescribing me and giving me a physical earlier. So, uh, that's what I'm doing (laughs) back to you, man.
1: Well, let me just say this right now. And this may shift a little bit. And, uh, some of this speaks to my weakness as a recovering people, pleasing workaholic and a perfectionist. But probably one of the fears I have is, is that, man, I don't want to, um, man, I don't want to live my life and at the end of my life have a bunch of regrets. I wish I had, I should have, all of that type of stuff. You know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I want to live a, a a life of of freedom and a life without regrets. And probably my biggest fear is, is that, you know, that I'll look back and uh, have regrets of, well, I never tried this. I never did this. And so, and that's a real fear for me. I'm not just making that up for the podcast. I mean, that's a a fear that's probably rooted in in my own sinful flesh of regret and a little bit of perfectionism in there. But for me, the answer to that is ultimately is not, you know, well, just make sure you're trying everything you possibly can, but make sure that you're going to go deep with your relationship with Christ. Make sure that Intimacy with God is is your first priority, and you know in this season, and particularly Kyle with the sabbatic, you know, that's really what God has been reminding me, and I think pressing in is that you know when we're talking about ministry, we get so ministry focused, and for most people, ministry focus is is talking about the things that they're doing, the things that they're learning, the things that they're implementing, and how they're leading. But the core of all of those things and and who we should be is where are we in our personal walk and relationship with Christ? Is that growing? Is that being strengthened? Is there intimacy there? And there's really no better word for it. And I, I just feel like, sadly, ministry uh, can work against our intimacy because we're, we focus on so many other things when really the truth of the matter is, is that our ministry should flow from uh, a place of intimate rest, fellowship, and direction with Christ. And, and the only way that that happens and is established is through time and focusing on Him and giving thanks and just walking with Him. I don't know of any other better way to say than walking with God on a daily basis. And so that's so important.
0: Hey, okay. So I appreciate that answer, Dace. Last question. Um, and these, I told you they were going to get really deep, really fast. Okay. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? Hmm. Well, that's, hmm. We're not that old, right? I mean, but yeah. seriously, uh, maybe we're at the midpoint of our life. Yeah. yeah, you know, maybe I'm just thinking about midlife crises today. But uh, what do you think uh, that legacy will be, or, or what do you want it to be?
1: I hope it's that my children can say he followed God, and that's certainly what I can say about my father. I've said in other other times and places. You know, my father; uh, he's been a pastor for 25 years a hardworking man his entire life. He's 72. He's not an academic. He's not a theologian, but he's the godliest man I know. And he's also probably one of the most down to earth, honest, caring guys I know. And, um, I want that, I want that same type of legacy. What my father has given me, you know, I want to give to my kids and, uh, my dad's not perfect, but, He's a godly man who follows Jesus and and is willing to make tough and difficult sacrifices to follow Jesus. I've seen that my entire life from him, and God has blessed them, uh, my mom and my dad, and uh, it's been a a tremendous example for me, and most of the world will never know his name, and that's just fine, but he's known by the King of Kings, and man, that's good enough. And so, to be honest with you, Kyle, I feel like I fall short (laughs) sometimes, and In that respect, certainly having small children and, you know, them seeing, I don't want to say the occasional road rage, but dad get a little irritated when he's driving. It may not be a good example, but, you know, hey, that's what I want for my kids to be able to say, hey, yeah, dad, follow God.
0: Well, Dace, uh, I appreciate you sharing and answering all these questions today. And we really talked about the different roles um, that you have in your life, right? Not only as a as a son, or as a as a father, or as a husband, or as a crappy boyfriend, uh, yeah. or as a uh, you know what all as a ice cream lover, hunter, former SWAT team member, you know, I, we do talk about um, the different roles. And so uh, also as a, a co-host uh, and as a friend, uh, thank you for uh, sharing that and being open and authentic today. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I'm sure those listening did as well.
1: Well, I don't know if they'll ever tune in again, but uh, yeah, if you hung with us this long, thanks for listening and you know the next episode is really going to be a lot better because i've got several days maybe a week or two to craft some some questions for kyle that are going to be they're going to be penetrating and they're going to they're going to sink down to the core of your soul and break you in love of course
0: i can't wait. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, if you've got any questions, hey, shoot us an email, uh, like, and subscribe. You know what to do. Thanks and have a blessed day. Here's how Daily Pastor supports church leaders. First, register your email to get access to our latest content. Second, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on social media. Third, get the encouragement and tools you need. This is a thriving in ministry podcast brought to you by Daily Pastor.